welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. I hope you enjoy today's sermon. Resurrection Portraits. We are going into a new series today. And for each Sunday, for the rest of September, we are going to view a story of resurrection in the scripture. The theme of resurrection is foundational to our Christian faith. Amen. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead and the promise that we also will be resurrected to life immortal. The apostle Paul said, if we don't have this hope, we are of all people most miserable. Amen. Amen. It's a part of the Christian faith. The resurrection, but viewing additional portraits of resurrection will deepen our understanding and strengthen our faith. So each week, the portrait will help frame a facet of resurrection. This week, we are looking at the story of Lazarus, and the theme is trust. Next week, we will look at Elisha, and the theme will be legacy. And then finally, we will look at the Valley of Dry Bones with the theme of hope. For today's message, I'm going to state at the beginning that I am borrowing heavily from a sermon that I heard from Pete Scazzaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He illuminated some points so well, and so I'm just acknowledging that as a primary source today um, for this sermon. He started with telling the story of the U.S. ambassador to Germany in the early 30s. His name was William Dodd. Well, I had to look it up because I had to I had to figure out. Did you know what you were talking about when you were telling this story? You know, well, it turns out very interesting connections that he had to our area. Uh, He taught at Randolph-Macon before he went to. University of Chicago, which was the the rest of his academic career. He was a a professor um, in U.S. history, and especially the history of the South. In his um, later years, he bought a large property out at Round Hill, and I think it is still, there's a property there um, kind of set aside as as a place to go see things about him. But anyway, at that time of history, that position of U.S. ambassador to Germany was not easy to fill. And so finally, um, Roosevelt chose him and sent him there. And as soon as, as soon as he got there, he began observing what was happening and how the Nazi regime was gaining more and more power and more and more um, freedoms were being taken. Of course, at that time, early on, it, see, it could also be viewed like great things are happening. The economy is churning and, and good stuff is going on. But he began reporting back to his superiors and to the president, you need to watch out. This is a problem. Things are not going well. This is, you don't want this to happen. But they would not receive those reports. Instead, they were believing the um, propaganda from the government and, the, and other kinds of things, and they were not paying attention to what their man on the ground was telling them. And he eventually resigned in 1936 because it was like, well, I can't, get, I can't convince them of how bad this is. 
it's important to trust the right person, the right thing. It matters where we put our trust, right? Now we live, we live a trusting life. Did y'all, do y'all believe that about yourself? You, we may put ourselves on a spectrum of like, I don't, I don't trust people, but we live with trust. When I go to Egypt, I'm going to go get on an airplane and I am trusting that that huge piece of machinery is going to be held up in the air all the way across the ocean. I'm trusting that the pilot has a license to be sitting in that seat and leading and taking that plane where it's going, right? We trust. When we are driving on an undivided road, we are trusting that the person driving our direction is going to stay in their lane. We trust all the time. We trust our mechanics to put the car back together right and not leave um, a tool banging around in there making a noise when we leave, right? We trust that they know what they're doing. We trust our physicians and our surgeons. Um, when you're, when Patty goes into surgery, she is trusting. She's going to let them do stuff to her that she's not going to let me do, right? She trusts them. She trusts that it's going to be done right. And we do this all the time. How about dentists? We trust that once we're in the chair and our mouth is numb and the tools and their hands are in there, that they won't make us talk. Don't ask me a question when I'm all like this and I can't even move my mouth, right? We trust that they know what they're doing. I walk around town a lot and I trust that if I'm paying attention, that once I'm in a crosswalk, I'm in a safe spot. I can get across the road. We trust. Well, in this passage in John that we're going to read, it uses the word believe, but it's important to hear that that believe word in it is equal to trust. You could, you could put trust in there. It's the same thing. And if we'll trust, and it's a daily decision, if we will trust the right person, we will see the glory of God. Now, I like thinking about this word believe as trust because of this. In our culture, belief is often relegated to opinion. I it's just what you, it's fine for you to believe whatever you want, but keep it to yourself. It's just, it's just like everybody has their belief. Everybody has their opinion. And because we've been exposed to that attitude, we might say, I believe in God without allowing that belief to impact our thoughts, our choices, our actions. Biblically, believe and trust are one of the same. True believers trust. You've got to press it all the way through to trust, all right? So the whole goal of the book of John is to get us to trust that Jesus is the Christ. He said at the end of the book, there's so many more things Jesus did. I couldn't write them all, but these are written that you may believe that you may trust that Jesus is the Christ. Now, before I read the full text, I want us to focus, especially on this statement of Jesus in verse 40. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe or trust? So I want us to say that together, okay? I'm going to repeat, I'm going to 
break it up in chunks and let's say this. So, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Once more, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you trust? So we're in John chapter 11, and we're not going to, the, the, it begins at the top of the chapter. So the context of this is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are siblings. They're a family. They appear to be single, and they are very close friends of Jesus. Jesus spends a lot of time at their house. They are tight. He, that's where he goes to get to rest and be refreshed. And, and so they're very good friends. Well, Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus where he is to say, Lazarus is sick. Please come. And Jesus doesn't. He waits. He doesn't go yet. And now where we're picking up where it, it, he is now, he has gone ahead and said, it's time to go. He and the disciples go together and they are there now. And um, we're going to pick it up at verse 38. John chapter 11. Jesus was still angry and other translations have that mood. He was very moved. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him. And let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to speak forth the words you've given us for today, that you would help us to be open in our hearts, to be open in our hearing, in our listening, and to receive what you have for us, that it be anointed and that it will not go void. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's seven major miracles detailed in the Gospel of John, and all of them are intended to build our trust in Jesus. This one is the greatest of all other than the resurrection of Christ himself. So as we are thinking about this story, I want us to just, I want to ask you to think a moment. What is the greatest obstacle you are facing right now? Of all the things you're trusting God for, what's the biggest one? You're saying, I need to trust God for this one. Stuck at your job or don't have a job. Some issue or habit that you're struggling with. A bitterness, a rage, of something that's holding you. 
captive that you can't get free from, a child who keeps you up at night, relationship issues, or a recent divorce, dryness in your relationship with God in a spot where nothing feels good. I don't know, but here's a reality. Jesus came into this scene where mourners had gathered and the central focus was death. They were grieving, they were distraught, and they were overcome. And it's earlier in the passage, we didn't read this one, but what does the scripture say about Jesus? It says, and Jesus wept. Never in the history of the world, in the study of anthropology, was there ever a God who wept. It wasn't even conceived of that that's something that God would do. And yet here's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, and he wept. He is moved in compassion toward whatever, whatever that was that you just identified, that obstacle that you're dealing with. Jesus cares. He is touched by our problem. Now, we have a limit to our empathy and our compassion, don't we? After a while, when somebody is dealing with something, we get to the point where we're like, we just want it to get, you know, be done. We can tend to um, just not be able to handle it. But I want to encourage you, Jesus walks into our pain. He is right in the midst of it, and he actually feels it with us, weeps with us, and does not weary of that. He is empathetic and cares about what you are dealing with. But we also want to say, okay, good, but thank you for weeping, but now could you please fix it? You're God, right? Can't you go ahead and do something about this? It's, it's great to know that you care, but I also want to see the answer. I want to see you do something. So like I said, Jesus, when he first received the word that Lazarus was sick, he didn't go. He, even though these were his, some of his closest friends, he loved them very much. Why didn't he go? By the time he arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Now, ancient rabbis taught that the first three days after a person died, the soul was still lingering around in the uh, lingering in the body. But on the fourth day, the soul left permanently and the person was dead, dead, totally dead. It's too late. They're really dead now. You know, like uh, Princess Bride, like how dead are you? All the way dead. This one is totally dead. All the way dead. It's over. This one cannot be fixed. And what did Jesus say about it? He said, Lazarus is dead. In verse 15, he told the disciples, Lazarus is dead, dead. And I am glad that I was not there for your sake so that you may trust. 
It makes Jesus glad when we trust him. It is one of the most basic ways we give him pleasure when we trust him instead of taking things into our own hands, even when things look hopeless, even when it looks dead, dead. When Jesus said to take away the stone, Martha protests. She goes, Jesus, it stinks. <laughs> it's too late. It's been four days. Now, earlier in the chapter, she had said to Jesus, if you had only been here, this wouldn't have happened. She had faith. She had belief. She had trust. She, and he said, well, if you'll believe, you'll see the glory of God. And she said, well, I know the resurrection will happen. And then he's, that's when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So she had belief. But now when it was time to actually do the next step with that belief, let's roll the stone away. She's like, wait, 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 wait. It's going to stink. It's going to, it's too late. We are a mix. We are a mix of trusting and not trusting. Our, we can declare our faith super strong at 9 o'clock and at 9.05 something happened and it sort of shake it up a little bit. Like, oh, but I wasn't planning on that. We, this is true. This is a reality. But Jesus was compassionate even on that. He said, did I not tell you if you trust you will see the glory of God. He kept bringing her along, wanting to get her to the place of trust. And then Jesus prays for in the hearing on purpose of all the people there, say, praying so that they can trust him. He said, God, I'm praying and I'm praying out loud. I know that you and I talk all the time, but I'm doing it on purpose out loud so that these will hear and can believe that you have sent me. He is working with us to get our trust to grow. The issue of trust gets at the core of what it means to follow Jesus because so much is at stake. So let's think about some of the things that the scripture tells us. What, what did it mean to live the Christian life? How else are you going to be able to forgive someone and let it go if you can't trust God to take care of it? And in that sermon, Pete said, he's like, I don't want to trust God with that. I want to see them get their due desserts. I want to see them get the consequences and, and make sure that happens. And then I'll trust God. You know, the reality is we can't follow Jesus instruction to forgive without trust. How about giving your money away or your time or your energy for free? Like, what's that about? We, you can't do that without trust. What about ending a relationship or a friendship that you know isn't right? You know God is leading you there, but you can't trust that God's going to take care of it on the other side. And you don't let go. You've got to have trust how do you respond to his voice without trust? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and that my sheep know my voice and that they will follow what I say. Well, what if he says to, to go somewhere you didn't want to go? Or do you all of a sudden not trust that voice? Trust is essential 
How can we be vulnerable and humble and ask for, for forgiveness for ourselves without trust? How can we be patient without trust? We will strive, we will push, we will work to make things happen in our timetable if we don't trust. So Walter Bruggerman is a scholar that Pete quoted in this, and, and he says this, everyone's Christian journey includes times of disorientation. So anyone that has walked with the Lord for any length of time, would you agree with that statement? Everyone's Christian journey includes times of disorientation. Amen? Amen. And this is normal. <laughs> this is how we learn to trust. And here's the thing. What we would like to do is read um, Professor Bruggeman's book, and then we've got it. You know, it doesn't work that way. You can't listen to this sermon, and then you got it. We each have to live through those disorienting times and have our trust grow. We have to believe and hear Jesus say, didn't I tell you that if you trust, you will see the glory of God. So there's this chart that he talked about and just, just simple way of thinking about it, scale of one to 10. If you're, if you're, if you say like, I'm over here, I'm like one to three. My, my faith is shallow. It's weak. I, I, Jesus is committed to you wanting to move you further up the scale for your trust to be stronger, stronger. And he will bring you into a season of disorientation to move you to four to six because he loves you. <laughs> and then again, other things will happen and you'll move into even stronger faith. As we choose to stick with trusting him in the middle of the battle, in the confusion of disorientation, in the face of nothing going right, that's when our faith is strengthened. And we are going to see the glory of God. So I asked the Lord this week, I said, Lord, it is time for our people here in Vienna Assembly of God to see your glory. I think some of you have had enough disorientation for a while. Now, I know I'm not Jesus, but I'm interceding for you with him. And I, in my view, I've seen some of the challenges. I've seen some of the trials. I've seen some of the stuff. And I'm saying, Lord, please, it's time for the resurrection. <laughs> it is time for you to show your glory. Enough of this disorientation, the dry places, enough of the obstacles. Please let us see your glory. So I want you to bring back to your mind again that obstacle, that thing, that this is the main thing I really need to trust the Lord for. And I want you to hear this. Rachel, you can come. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, Mary was so discouraged. She was so done. She was so disoriented. She did not even go out to meet Jesus. 
This is the same Mary that sat at Jesus' feet, okay? But at this time, she was just done. But then Martha came and said to her, The master is here, and he's looking for you. Jesus is here today, and he's looking for you. If your trust is weak, he's still looking for you. If you are struggling and losing your grip on belief, losing your ability to trust, he's here, and he's looking for you. And he wants to help you. He wants to help me grow in our trust. And he wants us to experience his glory. He wants us to see that resurrection power as he shouted, Lazarus, come out. What happened? He came out. The dead was raised to life. Now, he had grave clothes and stuff on him, and it, there was stuff still to do. They had to get him cleaned up, and, and that happens in our life. We may have trappings of something on us that we need each other to help us with, but the glory of God is going to come as we trust. So I just want to invite us to have a prayer time right now to bring those obstacles and to believe Jesus is here. The master is here. And he is looking for you. And I'm going to invite us. I'm going to open the altar. If you want to just come and bring that obstacle before him, trust him for that thing that he's going to do in our life. We want to see the resurrection power, the glory of God displayed in our lives. Amen. I welcome you to come for prayer. Trust is like a muscle. It is something that can continue to develop. It is something that you can continue to strengthen. And as we learn and disciple ourselves and and (laughs) 
transform our thinking and put our trust in him, looking to Jesus and believing that if we will trust, we will see the glory of God. We will see the glory of God. I'm just, I, what I, I would invite you to mark down whatever your specific thing was that you prayed for today. And, and, and let's just keep kind of a record and let's see what God does. What is the way that his glory is going to be displayed in that situation? What is the difference going to be? What is it going to look like? Um, and you know, we have to trust him with doing it the way that brings him the glory. And, and Martha, Martha didn't like the way Jesus chose to do it. She didn't like having to deal with the stink and all of that. We, but sometimes we have to deal with that part, and then we see the glory of God revealed. And so I am trusting, I am trusting God that your trust is going to grow and be strengthened and that we are going to get through some of the challenges that have been hanging on, we are going to see the glory of God revealed, and and we are going to celebrate that together as it happens. So please mark it down, and let's share with each other as these answers begin coming, and we see the glory of God. Amen. Amen. 